0: People, it's week twelve.
1: <laughs> Wake them up.
0: Somebody pinch me. It's week twelve. <laughs> Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwanuka. We'll hear from Mike Tannenbaum. He joins the show at 10 a.m. Kiwi, good morning. Good morning. I hope morning. Uh, you and your family have had a, a fantastic Thanksgiving.
1: Phenomenal, phenomenal Thanksgiving. I uh, I took my kids. We we're in Indiana. Went to my brother's house, and uh, my sister came with her kids from Atlanta, and we just, I mean, I sat on that couch and I ate. And I ate, and I ate, and um, just, it was a great time. Great being around um, family and and just relaxing and seeing all the kids get together and, and watching and realizing how quickly they're all growing up and they're all becoming their own their own individual people. Just you know, can't say enough about you know my family and how much I appreciate them. It was a great time. How was yours?
0: Oh, that's so great. Uh, <laughs> mine, mine was my. It's you know, mine's hard because my family is in Florida and mm-hmm. because of work, and I'm a workaholic. Uh, and football doesn't stop just because it's the holidays, uh, I, I can't go home. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I had a fantastic, a wonderful, beautiful Thanksgiving I spent with friends and family in Brooklyn. And then, um, and then usually, typically, the day after Thanksgiving, I go and I get my tree, and mm-hmm. I have a tree decorating party. And what <laughs> okay. I do is I, have, uh, I invite uh, everyone under the sun, and I tell them to come with an ornament that best represents them, Mm-hmm. to put on the tree and so it's great so now <clears throat> my tree's decorated and when I look at my tree um, there's something on the tree that represents uh, my closest friends and family and so it's oh. typically what I do each and every season so I've got my tree up uh, it's week 12 that's
1: a great tradition here's the question do you have a mm-hmm. favorite ornament <laughs> and would you tell if you did
0: I do have a favorite ornament but I'm okay. not going to tell you which one it is <laughs> right. how's that I like it I like it <laughs> Um, anyway, he's Matthias Kiwanuka, Amanita Marks, 800-919-3776. That's the phone number you want to get on board. By all means, we welcome you to do so. We're going to spend this hour talking about the Jets, and they are in Houston, getting ready to take on the Texans. Rich Cimini, who does a phenomenal job covering the Jets, is going to join us at 830 uh, and then uh, we'll dive into some Giants talk as well. Jordan Renan is going to join us on the nine o'clock hour. And like I said, when we started the show, we'll hear from Mike Tannenbaum uh, in the 10 o'clock hour and we'll do a deep dive into the the changes uh, that have taken place and probably will take place heading into next season for the Giants. So a jam-packed show and we're happy to take your calls throughout. Okay, uh, Kiwi, let's let's start with the Jets and uh, and, and the Texans and the fact that you know, obviously the biggest story here is that Zach Wilson is, is back under center. Mm-hmm. What are the Jets playing for? I, I mean, come on. The, we know that, the, you know, there's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel in regard to them making it to the postseason. Um, so really, you know, the big storyline here is Zach Wilson. And I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts. You know, like he's been on the shelf. He's been on the sideline. He's been watching. You know, Joe Flacco is, is you know, a pro's pro. Joe mm-hmm. watched him, how he prepares to get ready for a game right film study all that uh you know he's so so there's been three games two with mike white at the helm one with joe flacco do you feel quarterbacks learn and and get and and gain experience valuable experience by sitting back and watching others and how they operate
1: absolutely I think young guys, especially, and this is something I said earlier, was that I didn't understand why there wasn't a veteran quarterback or somebody you know with more experience in that locker room, not to compete with him, but just to help him get adjusted, you know, to the NFL and the lifestyle and time management and how to manage your body. And I think this is where Flacco is going to earn, um, in my opinion, like his check right here is is helping um, Zach Wilson get prepared like with everything outside of the Xs and Os you know you have coaches who could coach him up and and teach him and show him and put him in the position but you know there there's a different type of communication that goes on at this level you know so maybe you know flago can help interpret what is being fed to him what information he's seeing because there's there's a way that you can teach something, you know, as a coach, they can come at you with with, you know, all kinds of you know, techniques and, and words and phrases and you know quotes and all this and that. But like if you sit next to somebody and they say, hey, you know, this is what's helped me, you know, like I know what he's saying, but this this is what actually works out there you know, in the game. That stuff is really valuable. So yeah, I believe he can learn. I think every position can learn from a veteran who has been through it. Somebody who's actually experienced it when the bullets are flying, and not not just you know somebody who's trying to you know force feed you this information. Um, and that's that's what Flacco's job, in my opinion, should be: is to help him get a better understanding of of what is being asked of him, not just understanding the playbook, you know, and being able to recite it back to you.
0: Yeah, I'm so I'm I'm with you, right? And and I'm I'm excited and I'm intrigued to watch and see what what Zach Wilson do we get? Because I I you know I I think it was very and I I know life isn't fair, but I thought I think it was I thought it was very unfair to throw Zach right into the NFL to start, especially if you go back and you look at the first three weeks, you know, some of the defenses that he had to face and and his performance was 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 god awful so you know it didn't have an, a, an opportunity to grow mature develop and so i'm really i'm 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 intrigued and i'm borderline excited to kind of see what zach wilson we get today and also this is a great spot start for zach wilson considering that the houston texans their defense is nothing to write home about kiwi
1: uh-huh. to say the least
0: right yeah this this is
1: this is a very good opportunity in my opinion for him to to resettle in you know like just like i want to see him go out there and and be decisive you know and and command the huddle and make good decisions with the ball and not worry so much about the outcome of the game, but, but start to develop, you know, a pattern of a good behavior, I guess, or, or good, good routine and good um, decision-making out there on the field. And then, and then all the, you know, the, the Mike White stuff and, you know, all that stuff will, will, will kind of fade to the background, but I mean, you hit it right on the head. Like they, they threw him in there. Um, you know, the team, you know, they, they had a lot of issues other than just the, the quarterback position. So we knew it was going to be difficult. We knew it was going to be more difficult for him than, than some of the other quarterbacks that were, that were taken high. Um, so patience has to be had, you know. But this is a great opportunity for him to, to come back in and to hopefully be healthy and to start anew.
0: 800 We've already got uh, Jets fans wanting to chime in, so let's get to their calls. Ira in Staten Island, welcome in. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, Ira. What you got for us?
2: It's the same to you, and Anita, and Kiwi. All the best and healthy and uh, look forward to the new year. Um, you know, I look at today's game. Listen, you got two really bad teams, so it should be an intriguing and close game and competitive. Um, two things I look at, it. you know, everybody knows the Wilson story. I want to see after three to four weeks he's been out, if he's learned anything, if he comes down, if he forces things, or does he, you know, get it, and he takes what the defense gives him. You know, take the short stuff, take the slants, dump the ball off. We're going to see. But to me, this game is two things. It's about Coach Sala. This defense has been atrocious this year. You are playing a bad Texans football team. Now, Tyrod Taylor, historically, when he was with the Bills, owned the Jets. They can't let Tyler go for 220 and run for 80 yards and put up two or three touchdowns. If the Texans score 20 or more points in this game, the Jets are going to lose this game. The one concern I do have, though, the Jets roster is very young. And Kiwi, you played. You're going to understand this. It was a holiday Thursday night. And with their families, rightfully so, and they had enjoyment. I will guarantee you Friday's uh, practice was sloppy. This is up to the head coach to have these young players dove in that it's a business trip, that you're hungry for a win. You got your quarterback coming back. You have to take care of business. If they shoot themselves in the foot and they come out there and they're not hungry from the beginning of the game, they will lose this game. Curious what both your opinions are.
0: Thank you for your phone call, Ira. Uh Kiwi, yeah. I, if you can, I think it's a great question. Let's do this. Yeah, Let's take a quick break. Vince, I, I see you. Hang tight. We're going to get to you when we get back. 800-919-3776. Marinating that for a minute, Kiwi, because, you know, obviously, since you played, you played with the Giants, you won a Super Bowl with the Giants, you know, your, your, your experience, especially around this time and how teams and head coaches and organizations handle the Thanksgiving week. Um, I think can be really informative for a lot of our, our listeners. Bring in the man of the hour, and that's Rich Cimini. covers the Jets, I I has his own podcast called Flight Deck. Hopefully you tune into it each and every week. Uh, good morning, Rich. First things first. Happy Thanksgiving weekend to you and your fantastic family. I had the pleasure of meeting a few times in studio. How are you doing?
3: Well, thank you, Anita, and same to you. Uh, good morning, I'm Rich. looking out at uh, a very... Good morning, Chris. Oh, uh, Kiwi, sorry. I'm looking out at a very... Foggy morning here in Houston, but luckily the Jets will be indoors.
0: There you go, there you go. They'll be indoors, and Zach Wilson will be back under center. Uh, Kiwi and I were talking about it a little bit earlier. You know, Rich, do you feel that that Zach has learned a thing or two uh, by, you know, being on the sideline watching how a guy like Joe Flacco or even Mike White prepares for a game, or has he talked about? maybe the growth he's experienced while he's been uh, on, on on the sideline?
3: Well, he's absolutely talked about it. In fact, for four weeks, the Jets have been talking about it. But, you know, the talk, Jet fans have heard a lot of talk about this. They just need to see it happen on the field today. And uh, I think from past experience, I, I mean, I know I saw it with Sam Darnold in 2018. He went out with that foot injury for three games and he came back and he finished up the season, actually those few games toward the end of the season, with the best he ever played as a Jet quarterback, sadly. But he did play better when he came back from the break, and uh, I I suspect Zach will play better. But, you know, talk is cheap, as we all know, and he's just got to go out and do it. I think this is a good reentry point. Obviously the Texans are not going to scare anyone on defense too much, so this is a a good spot for Zach to, you know, finish
1: out these last seven games on a good note. So we we had a caller on Rich who was asking about um how teams prepare for um, you know a game after the holidays and so my question is you know what was the the temperament like how was the mood like was there like you know significant breaks or was what was the energy how did, it, how, did it, how did it look out there?
3: Yeah, it's pretty much a normal week. I mean, they do practice on Thanksgiving. I mean, they don't take any Thanksgiving breaks. Uh, I know I was talking to Elijah Moore uh, earlier in the week on the, on my podcast, and, you know, he said it's a business week. And Thursday, yes, after practice when he got home, he was planning to get some uh, Thanksgiving food and, you know, a full plate and watch some football like the rest of us Americans do. But uh, it is really a normal week for these players. And, uh, you know, it's just part of the job. And, you know, you've been through it. I mean, you just got to focus on the job.
0: So in, in regard to this, uh, the, the Houston defense they'll be playing, they play a lot of zone. Uh, I know that last I read that Corey Davis was doubtful. Maybe you have an update there. But what do you expect from Zach Wilson in, in this offense today uh, against Houston? I think this is going to be a competitive game. I actually am a fan of Tyrod Taylor now that he's back at quarterback. And we saw, of course, the Houston Texans team beat Tennessee last week. So i just curious, you know, game script, how do you see, how do you envision this playing out, Rich?
3: Well, you're right about Corey Davis. I'd be very, very surprised if he played today. I think he's going to be out. He, You know, on Friday they thought he was going to play, but then uh, just a setback and they downgraded him. So I think you'll see a lot of Keelan Cole at wide receiver along with Elijah Moore and Jameson Crowder. So, and of course, Michael Carter, their leading rusher, the rookie who's you know, done so well lately, is on IR. They put him on IR yesterday. So he's going to be out a minimum of three games. So if you're Zach Wilson, you're going into this game without the leading receiver, Corey Davis, without the leading rusher, Michael Carter, and by the way, without his de facto quarterback coach, Matt Kavanaugh, their senior offensive assistant, who was not making this trip because of COVID protocols. So the Jets will have to realign... Their, their offensive operation, you know, the way they get the plays in and things like that. So, you know, a little adversity for Zach Wilson coming into this game, but I do think he should have success if he's doing – if he does what he said he's going to be, which is to be patient and not try to force the ball downfield. You mentioned, Anita, good observation, you know, the Texans play a lot of zone. Well, it's going to be hard for him to throw the ball over to the top against the zone, so he's going to have to be smart and look for his check down. That's what he's been telling us for weeks. Let's
1: see if he goes out and applies it. You just, you just rattled off a, a list of 100 reasons for why he's not going to be successful. So <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you. Well, how, well, how big of a loss? The Kiwis, so
3: we have to balance it out a little bit. I mean, it's, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. I got
1: you. How, how big of a loss is that, Matt Cavanaugh not being there? Yeah, I mean,
3: he is... A, The senior most, like that, all Jet fans know that, you know, recently, like four games ago, Mike LaFleur went upstairs to call the plays. You know, Mm -hmm. so the offensive coordinator has been upstairs. It's obviously been working. In fact, over the last four weeks, the Jets have, and I know this is hard for some Jet fans might drive off the road when they hear this, but they have the number one offense in the league over the last four weeks in terms of total yards. So LaFleur's not going anywhere. He's going to stay upstairs. And normally, Kavanaugh would be the guy on the sideline relaying the play and also talking to the quarterback. So I think what you're going to see today is John Beck, who is most known as Zach's personal quarterback coach, who was recently added to the staff. I think you're going to see him have a larger role. If the camera pans to the sideline, I think you'll see John Beck and Zach huddling on the sideline on the bench
0: again Ritminy joining us here on 98.7 uh ESPN um in regard to uh, and and this is uh, for all the fantasy football folks out there uh in that backfield I know you mentioned Carter's out so you got Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman I envision this is like you know Ty Johnson being a bigger part of like both the rush and the passing game so getting some targets but I'm also worried that Coleman's going to come in and steal, steal some touchdowns if and only if they get into the red zone, let alone on the goal line. Like, how, how, do you, how do you see you know the Jets utilizing that backfield with Carter out?
4: Yeah,
3: I think it'll be a two-man show, and, and you're right, Anita. I think when they get into uh, a goal line or a short yardage situation, it'll be Tevin Coleman as the, as the back. And uh, Ty Johnson, who was normally their third down back, I think we'll have an increased role on first and second down. But uh, when it gets down to scoring zone and right near the goal line, I would think Coleman is going to be the guy there. Um, they really don't have a – I mean, they will have a third back. They they activated uh, Austin Walker from the practice squad yesterday. Uh, I think I, some fans are wondering what about LaMichael Pirine. He was a fourth-round pick last year. He's been a healthy scratch for pretty much this whole year, and I, again, I would not be surprised if he's a healthy scratch again. That's that's a really big indictment of him if he's passed over by a practice squad guy, Austin Austin Walter. I don't know that for sure, but I do know Walter was activated yesterday, so you'd have to think he'd be in uniform today.
0: Interesting. Any final question for Rich before I let him go, Kiwi?
1: No, no, I'm good. I appreciate it. That. that was good? great.
0: Yeah, we're good. We're good as always, Rich. You're good. <laughs> Again, happy uh, holidays to you and yours. And if, if you can, please let uh, let our listeners know how can they tune in, how can they get Flight Deck.
3: Flight Deck is uh, found wherever you find the podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and, of course, uh, any other ESPN platforms. And we had Elijah Moore on this week coming off his big game against Miami last week, so that was a good conversation.
0: Love
4: it. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
0: Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants. And a lot to get to, Jordan, first and foremost. Um, happy holidays. Happy post-Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hopefully you had a nice uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, let's, let's. I mean, obviously Absolutely. the big too, news. Thank you. Too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, the big news, obviously, is uh, is no Jason Garrett. No surprise, yeah. uh, that, that offense looked absolutely anemic um, the other night uh, against the Bucs. I actually, I, you and I talked about it, right? Like, I liked I liked the Giants getting 11. I thought for sure mm-hmm. against that Bucks defense that has not been the defense we saw last year. But I don't know what the heck game plan Jason Garrett so was calling there. we split on the Monday
4: Nighters, Anita. We split. <laughs> uh, I brutal. said they were going to get blown out in this one. I said they were going to get blown out against KC you were you got the KC one I got the Bucks one
0: it's So it's 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 let's so kind of like you know do a deep dive here like how long how long has Joe yeah. Judge been frustrated how long was this uh, uh you know th- the firing a possibility you know obviously was Monday night the final straw like break it down for us Jordan
4: Here's what I will say and then I know there was at least uh a thought about doing this after last season, or you know, coming in this past offseason. So this is this is something that that stretches back to that point, right? The offense was bad last year. We all know, thirty-first in the NFL. Uh, it didn't get better in the first half of the season. The idea was that, hey, you know, all right, it was bad. We're going to add all these playmakers, and we're going to we the Giants really there were people in the building that weren't. Uh, in, that were intense kind of on making sure, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not the greatest idea to give Daniel Jones, uh, who we're trying to find something out about, a third offensive coordinator in three years. So mm-hmm. they tried to make it work. It obviously didn't. And then you say, well, why didn't they do it at the bye week, right? That was just last week. Again, they're sitting there. This is what happens when you make the fix You're making excuses of of why, you know, it's not working, and uh, well, let's see what he could do when the the weapons get back. Saquon gets back, Gallaudet is healthier, Tony started the game at least healthy, and what happened? Again, another dud, and that was just Joe Judge just couldn't. That's it. He couldn't take it anymore. He wasn't gonna take. He was not gonna roll this back anymore. Wait any longer, and uh, you know when you're talking about coaching decisions, yeah, everything has to ultimately run through the front office and run through ownership, especially here with the way the Giants are set up. But ultimately, Joe Judge makes the hires and makes the fires when it comes to the coaching staff. And uh, this was a move that was 100% him saying, all right, this is enough. I'm not doing this any longer. We need to make a change on offense. And now it's going to be a collaborative effort in some way, shape, or form. I think that's more in regards to the setup uh, during the week. The installation and the you know the developing a game plan, and then on game day, you're going to have Freddie Kitchens being the one who's primarily calling the place.
0: Here, here's my but, thing, and, and really quick, Kiwi, I'm sorry, but I, you know why why all the secrecy? Why why not like, you know, what, I don't I don't I don't understand what what's the advantage in that? Why the secrecy in regard to you know who who's who's going to be at the helm here? Um, you yeah, know, this, this, this is a big
4: coaching. This is a big coaching thing. They always do this, you know, the competitive advantage thing. Don't give it if you don't have to. Even if the Eagles have to spend ten minutes, you know, preparing for the possibility that quarterbacks coach Jerry Szaplinski Schaplans- or wide receivers coach Tyke Tolbert or I don't, you know, somebody else is actually you know more involved in the play calling or even uh, game planning. As, you know, that's the time that they're they're kind of diverting them away from, you know, the potential of you know it being oh this is Freddie Kitchens, you know this is his this is his deal, and I think I think well my voice is cracked there I'm losing my voice here so you got to bear with me <laughs> okay that was that was bad <laughs> but uh, you know th- there's the possibility and I think it's a very strong possibility that while we're all sitting here saying, yeah, Freddie's going to call the plays, only one person can talk to the quarterback team. I mean, that's that's okay. this works, the system works. But Joe Judge is going to be much more involved in the offense this week. Uh, you know, the, the coordinators, Rob Sale, the offensive line coach, is going to be way more involved in developing the running game. So I think it will have a different look, and that's why they go through the whole charade, and they don't want to parade out Freddie Kitchens and this stuff. They, they want to keep that unknown a little bit, whether it actually works or not clearly we could
1: sit here and have that debate. Yeah, I, I get it. I think it, it definitely takes time away. You know, when you, you're a player, you sit there and you have to listen to where this coach came from, who he's associated with, what his tendencies are and try to get an understanding. So somebody has to put a lot of time and effort into researching everybody who could possibly be calling plays. So it, it makes a little sense from a strategy standpoint. Going back to Jason Garrett, I saw you tweeted his um, the statement that he made. Did you get a, any sense of what he thought went wrong or where he thought the, the flaws were this season? Not really. Jason
4: kind of just you know quietly went in distance and sent out a statement uh but from what i understand i mean it was pretty obvious like, this was brewing right this the, the last few weeks this, you you want to look at the clues that were out there if you go back to jason Garrett, the last time he spoke right he went on this little tangent about the offensive line about how they need an. They're in. They're at the real infantile stage, basically, of the offensive line rebuild. Like they did it in Dallas, they had to invest a lot of resources. Right? I mean, I'm talking really. They, the Cowboys, when they put together that line originally for Garrett, you're talking about really. Everyone thought they were crazy too. Remember they drafted the, the center, a center, Travis Frederick, and people like they're drafting a center in the first round. No, they drafted a center, a guard, uh, a tackle. All in the you know, high and pretty high with the first round pick. So, uh, you could tell that that's what Jason Garrett was thinking, uh, along the lines of wait, why didn't it work out? Look at the offensive line that we're working with. We're working with such a handicap that we're like sort of hamstrung here. And, uh, it, it look, there's a lot of truth to what Jason Garrett said. It is not, I, I'm not the biggest fan of him offensively. I think, you know, his schemes and, Ideas are a little behind the times, but it'll be interesting to see. Can anybody really come in here and sustain consistent offensive success right now with the offensive line that they have out there? When they have to go back and pass, Kiwi, like when you know, like there's certain times in every game where you know teams like they have to pass, they're going to go back and pass. Mm-hmm. This line cannot protect when they're in those situations. They absolutely well, that... cannot. And the Giants have been trying to work around that for weeks and weeks and weeks here.
1: So that, that's my question. So how does a new coordinator protect that offensive line, in your opinion, like what you've seen? I mean, obviously, just one man getting beat one on one is going to be difficult, regardless of what your scheme is. But is it a schematic yeah. thing where you get him on the edge? or you trying to get Daniel Jones out in space? Like what what do you see that that, you know, Freddie kitchens or whoever the group coming in to do something different these last seven games? What are they supposed to be doing right now to, to make that change?
4: I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Daniel Jones moving out, roll moving that pocket, roll in the pocket, and then also a lot of getting the ball in the playmakers' hands early and quickly to try and get them space to make plays. Like, right, you know, screen passes, slip screen, uh, a lot more, you know, jet jet sweeps to create like you know distractions and diversions and and get you know the offense. Basically, you're trying to trick, right? And, and that's. That's the idea here, in some way, shape, or form, and that's that really is probably one of the biggest criticisms on Jason Garrett. He did not use motion a lot. Like he had, the amount of motion the Giants used in his two years was uh, bottom five in the league, and that's the whole. Per- that's a big purpose of the motion. The, the idea is to get defenders moving in different directions. Like so, you know, you occupy that defensive end with a, uh, you know, of the fake jet sweeper. Uh, you know, you know the. the um, the zone reads and and to basically take some pressure off the offensive line by using that as as a tool. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see here moving forward from the Giants' office. I'm really intrigued to see if they can uh, have a significant upgrade. I I don't think they can sustain consistent offense, you know, over like an extended period of time. But I think it's possible to see a slight uptick. And, uh, you know, I think that's almost what you're looking for here.
0: Again, Jordan Renan joining us here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Uh, you're listening to New York Game Day. Uh, a lot, obviously, a lot of moving pieces with the Giants. You know, really quick before we move on, I know we're talking about the offensive line. I, don't they have like 30 offensive line coaches? Like, like don't <laughs> – the Giants have the most offensive line coaches in that position in, of any team in the NFL. I, I, I don't I, – I just I, – I don't quite understand. But uh, regardless – But where's the um, talent? Where's
4: the talent? where's the talent i mean you know they were they were limited to start and then they lost three guys so i mean where like what are they what do they working with? you know i mean you have well, to at some point say that I, i'm and i understand i think it's silly to have so many coaches first of all freddie's not there anymore he's kind of moved up the ladder but still like who's going to make something out of this offensive line that they're putting out there right now
0: um in in talking about an, you know hog mollies, right? Like uh, Dave Gettleman loves well, to call them. That's where you ho-
4: point the finger.
0: Right, right. Which by which by the way, uh, you know. very interesting. I've I've had I've had quite a few people tell me that when Freddie Kitchens was elevated to head coach with the Cleveland Browns, um, <laughs> uh, Gettleman did not have some very kind words about that. So n- now it comes full circle, and now Freddie Kitchens. Is potentially more than likely going to be calling his offensive plays uh, when Gettleman was uh, not a fan of Freddie Kitchens being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. It's interesting how this this uh, this league works, but nonetheless. Well, I'll, be, I'll bet he'll
1: turn into a fan if he gets out there and calls some good plays and we get well, a win. Well, he better. You know? He better. <laughs> we get some uh, Ws. He'll
4: be a, a big fan. He'll be a big fan if he miraculously saves his job, right? If he's not. he'll
0: be the well, let's, biggest Freddie
4: fan out there.
0: Let, let's talk about that because as you said just a second ago in regard to Jason Garrett, there was talk and, st- and speculation that maybe he wouldn't be back next year. You and I had a conversation last season as well. I didn't think Gettleman was going to be back and not that he was going to get fired. I just thought he was going to ride off into the sunset. Sure enough. That's not what happened. Yeah. He stayed, stayed another year. Is this it regardless of how the giants do? Is this it? And and if so, I know a lot of people are like, Hey, throwing out a lot of, a lot of different names, my guts telling me that they just elevate from within, and Kevin Abrams, who's their money guy, then steps yeah. into that guttman role. Who, you know, again, really doesn't have a lot of football evaluation talent. That could be quite frightening for some Giants fans. But how do you think this front office is going to pan out?
4: I look, if they have to make a move, and they're in a position where they just keep rolling people in and out, you would have to think that they would come to the realization and it's time to, you know, branch out and do stuff differently. If they, and I like him. And I, I think Kevin's a very bright guy. I think he's a smart guy. Uh, he's done a lot more football uh, talent evaluation. I think than we're probably giving him credit for uh, as far, you know, I had a conversation with him you know, earlier this year, maybe even before the season. Uh, and I was surprised at how much he, he's been involved in, in stuff over the years, uh, the last few years, especially. Uh, but, you know, it, it, the definition of insanity is doing right, the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. Like it's like banging your head against the wall, basically. That's what it would be. Like, I would be surprised if ownership, uh, even at this point, like they're, they're reaching their width. And, like, uh, if, you could say what you want about ownership here. And, you know, they've done a terrible job, and their decisions have been consistently awful over and over again here these last few years with everything that they've done. Uh, But they want to win. I will give them credit for that. And they try different things, and, they you know, they've been trying different things. They've gone outside their shell a little bit in the last few years. So I really do think that based off what I've seen from them, that it's likely that they would realize that they can't. For the sake of their franchise and the goodwill they have with their fans, dip more into the well of people in the building and just keep trying to trot out their own guys. I just—it'll be so poorly received that it's—it's it's a tall. I don't think it's a move that they—they they would be willing to make at this
0: point. Jordan, I know we only have you for like another two minutes. Kiwi, any final question for uh, for Jordan?
1: I saw you tweeted that the, the um, Giants are going to win. Do you still feel that way? And, and yeah. what, are your, what, are your, what are your expectations for this game? you think it's a momentum thing, energy, like play calling? What's, what's going what's gonna to bring us to win?
4: Yeah, I just think they're going to bounce back and play better. We have to be realistic. I think sometimes it's like a recency bias. Like if we talked three weeks ago, we all would have been sitting here saying Giants-Eagles are about the same badness, right? And now the Eagles won a couple games. The Giants actually had one, two, or three and then they went to Mon- on monday night to tampa where let's be honest they really they they could go monday night and play in tampa 10 times if they win one yet one of those 10 i would kind of I, you know that's about right to me like they're not going to win many of those games. they're outclassed. they're 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 definitely uh inferior talent level so i think they're going to come back and they're going to play better i really do i think this is this is one of those games where everyone's down on them i think it's a more recently biased thing than 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 almost anything because they had, they actually, their game before they actually played pretty well uh, against the Raiders. Remember, they had a bye week in between. So I, I think with that and the, the change on offense, the little jump start, plus, you know, Saquon Barkley, I, we can say what we want about him. He hasn't looked great this year, but every game he does come back and every game is, is so he should be theoretically healthier. So he'll be more of a factor, I believe. Andrew Thomas is in the second game back. That's good for him physically. Uh, Kenny Galladay is. Healthy now, which he has. I mean, he was last week, but and they're actually going to throw him the ball this week. So I think it's it's shaping up into being. This is going to be a close game, and I think the Giants definitely. I mean, I I see them pulling out a victory. I've been pretty good when I've gone on record and said (laughs) that they're going to win this year. It's very it's very rare. I said a lot of you know I've been down on this team for a lot of things they've done over a very long period of time. So for me to go out and be positive about something they're going to do. Uh, I really have to feel good about it. So I really think they're going to put a good performance out there this week.
0: Jordan, thank you so much. Always great having you on. Please know how much we appreciate it each and every Sunday. Thanks. And enjoy the game.
1: Thanks, Jordan. You
4: got it, You guys too. Enjoy. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.
0: And uh, Mike Tannenbaum joins us. Good morning. Good morning. So you're you're, so you're in so I'm in Cincinnati. Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Uh, you're,
5: Pittsburgh Steelers, Cincinnati Bengals game, and then tonight, there you go. That's right, because we'll the be Bra-
0: the Browns the Browns play the Ravens, uh, so that that should be a good one. Um, before we dive into what's local and in in hot here, uh, what what's your take on that game? Since uh, I'm sure yeah, you you've be, done uh, such a deep dive into it.
5: Yeah, yeah, big day in the AC North as you said tonight. We're going to see the Browns and the Ravens, and it starts this afternoon with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. And the big storylines out here is TJ Watt's returning and. uh, Cincinnati's trying to actually sweep Pittsburgh. They beat them in Week Three, but in that game, no uh, Highsmith or Watt for Pittsburgh, so getting both of their edge pass rushers back and uh, should be a great game. And you know, it just uh, what's remarkable if the playoffs started today, the Cincinnati uh, Bengals would be in and the Pittsburgh Steelers would be out. So, some really key games today in the AFC North.
0: Who do you like? who do you like winning?
5: Um, you know, probably Cincinnati at home. I think they're a little bit better, more complete team, but this should be a, a great game. It's a rivalry game. It's a game that both teams absolutely desperately need, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough, hard fork game. Uh, no Joe Hayden for the Steelers, and, you know, we know how great Jamar Chase is, so that's a matchup, at least heading into the game, should favor Cincinnati.
0: All right, gentlemen. Let's dive into what's going on in our own backyard. Uh, and and Matthias and I, we, we touched on it somewhat earlier on in the show. And and as we know, Jason Garrett is no longer uh, the offensive coordinator of the Giants. Um, I think we can all sit here and assume uh, that Freddie Kitchens is going to be calling the plays. Not sure why it's such a secret. Uh, can't see Joe Judge calling plays. He's never called plays before. He's a special teams coach, but nonetheless. Uh, bigger bigger picture here is Ian Rapaport is reporting today that regardless of how the Giants do for the remainder of the season, Dave Gettleman is gone. What are you hearing, Mike?
5: Uh, I don't I don't know if that report's true or not. So uh, you know, we'll see how the season plays out. And uh, look, you know, for teams that don't make the playoffs, you know, there's always you know questions of uncertainty. And Dave's a, a long time NFL executive, been around for quite a while, and uh, obviously. When he assembled the team, you know, there was a couple of key moves he made, drafting Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, hiring or being part of hiring Joe Judge. And, you know, by the end of the season, we'll see how that plays out. You know, there's still, you know, we're not even in the month of December yet. A lot could still play out. And, um, you know, a lot of rumors this time of year, sometimes they turn out to be the case. Sometimes they're not true at all.
1: What do, you, what do you think about the timing of uh, Garrett's firing? Like, a lot has been said that, you know, you couldn't fire him after a win and that this was coming. And in my opinion, I thought, like, you know, once you make a decision, you just go with it. Like, what, what's your – like, how would you have handled it, um, assuming that you were going to make the change?
5: Yeah, but, actually, I think that's a great point. I, like, to me, if you're going to make a decision, you should – as soon as you feel like that's the way to go – that's what you should do. Uh, Scott Strickland, a, a very well-regarded athletic director, University of Florida, just touched on that. When they made the decision on Dan Mullen, why did they not wait? He felt like once the decision was made, go ahead and make the change. And that's certainly kind of been where, where I've been in my career when I've had to make those decisions. So I think if I'm the Giants, I'm, I'm looking at Freddie Kitchens and seeing you know what, what's going to be different. And I think the key really is Daniel Jones has to cut down on his turnovers. You know That game the other night against Tampa Bay – They weren't playing great, but they were still in it. And that back-breaking interception, when you throw an interception at a defensive lineman, it's just one of those, it it really just sort of like sealed the game, not only the score, but but you could just see it took the wind out of the giant sails. And that's the part that's been disappointing. Like Daniel Jones, if you read his scouting report coming out of Duke, he had the same issues, and that so far hasn't gotten better. And hopefully that's something Freddie Kitchens can improve upon.
0: You know, I want to go back, Mike. I want to go back to Gettleman, uh, you know, whether Ian Rappaport's reports are true or not. Let's just say hypothetically, because I I thought, I personally thought that Gettleman was gone last year and not that he was going to get fired. I just, I I thought it was, uh, I I thought he was going to walk away uh, and sail off into the sunset. Uh, But um, let's just say hypothetically speaking that uh, that the organization is going to move on from Gettleman. I'm hearing that Abrams, uh, their cap guy, their money guy, their numbers guy, is going to be next in line Uh, you know when you when you bring in a general manager who is overseeing your scouting department and don't you want that person to have some type of scouting experience some kind of nfl experience and and not just be a numbers guy i I, i'd be i'm kind of questioning if 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 that's the case here
5: yeah well lots of unpack there Anita. first of all like we don't even know if dave gentleman's going to be there next year or not you know like I said, a lot of rumors and reports that turn out not to be true as much as they do turn out to be true. But if they wasn't there, I'm sure the Giants would have a, a comprehensive search that probably could include some internal candidates as well as external candidates. Kevin Abrams is a very well-respected football executive who has a, a principal background in salary cap and administrative responsibilities. But knowing Kevin as a bright, hardworking guy, I'm sure he's branched out to other aspects of the organization. And if you hire somebody, who has a drafting personnel background, they're going to need to lean on someone of, of Kevin Abrams' acumen. So um, these roles have evolved over time. They've become more complex, more difficult. And uh, I think we've seen a number of people ascend to being a, a GM from of various different roles, former players, broadcasters, scouts, administrators. So I don't think it's really a one-size-fits-all approach at all.
1: How appealing is this job out there to, to people? Like if you're I – mean, I, don't, I don't put words – like how – is it still, this Mystique, is it still the New York Giants that we think of it as? Can they still attract the best of the best?
5: Yeah, I think so for no reason. First of all, it's the New York Giants. It's like one of the great franchises in the NFL. It's running an NFL team in New York. And, uh, you know, with it comes a lot of responsibility. And when it's great, it's it's incredible. And when it's bad, you're going to be held accountable. But, guys, like I think what we've got to remember is, they have so many good young skill players. We don't even get a chance to talk about Kadarius Tony enough when we're together. I think he's a bright young star, you know, Kenny Galladay, maybe not worth what they pay, but he's a good player. Then you have Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram. Obviously when Saquon Barkley's healthy, I think a very underrated stat is, do you know the average 80 more yards passing when Barkley's on the field? It just shows you how dynamic he can be. So I think there's a number of reasons um, the job could be appealing and, Look, it still comes back to can you win with Daniel Jones? That's going to be the most fundamental question that has to be asked by really anybody. Eight
0: hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. That's the phone number. That's how you get on board. Uh, talking all things uh, Giants and, and really big picture here, uh, considering that uh, some moves were made. I'll be honest with you. You know, I, I know Jason Garrett got the brunt of the criticism, but uh, Tom Brady looked like he was playing flag football back there on Monday night, and so I mean, I it just it was I mean. I don't know what was more disgusting, um, just the inept, anemic offense or the fact that, you know, I mean, he was back there like, you know, build a campfire, make some s'mores before you pass the ball, Tommy. I mean, that's really what it looked like. I was surprised that, you know, Jason Garrett was the only one who got the bulk of the criticism.
4: New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks.